Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow, rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod 7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Marcus, and my main man here, Frankie. Frankie, I believe our predictions from our last uh, episode were a little bit off. Um, I don't know why we decided not to pick Novak Djokovic to win the ATP World Tour Finals, but we both went on a limb. My guy didn't even make it to the knockout stage, and your guy was at least a semi-decent pick because he made it to the final. Mr. Yannick Sinner. Um, Frankie, initial thoughts on the knockout round. We had uh, a matchup in the semifinals of Car- uh, Carlos Alcaraz, Novak Djokovic, and then Yannick Sinner and Daniil Medvedev. Let's talk a little bit through those rounds because I think those matches kind of mattered more than we thought it would, um, That you know, contributing to the final uh, and how that ended up being playing out. Yeah, so I'm going to start this sort of breakdown by, with talking about Novak because I'm not going to talk about Novak for probably a lot of the rest of this because it's just repeating myself over and over again with him. Novak Djokovic, I sent this stat to you as well, like off camera, like when the match was occurring, but Novak Djokovic quite literally played the statistically most efficient match of the entire season, of any 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 tournament, any match, he played the statistically most efficient best match of the entire season in that final against Yannick Sinner. I just want everybody to sort of realize that and like soak that in, really, because it's not normal, it's freakish, and the guy is just an animal. And at age 36, by the way. At age 36. And you know, we're like I want us to talk about the ATP World Tour Finals and like what it actually like means and you know how important of an event it is um because I think that sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle and realistically to me at least this is potentially the hardest tournament to win all year in a way um and we could we could, we could discuss that a little bit more at the end but I just want to highlight Novak's a freak he is amazing I could speak volumes about how amazing he is but i'm gonna just gloss over it probably for the rest of this episode now because it's just not really super compelling at this point for our purposes because i'm just saying the same thing over and over and over again about him um i think it's important to highlight how insane he is and i think that you did that pretty well just taking the one match statistic but then realizing that this was it just an incredible year? Three Grand Slam titles. The fourth Grand Slam that he lost at Wimbledon was in a five-setter epic against Carlos. Winning the World Tour Finals, winning a couple Masters titles, including an epic match against Carlos in Cincinnati. Uh, 
Novak Djokovic is the epitome of the Michael Jordan. I will take. I took it personally. Anybody who says anything about, oh, this is the Carlos era, this is going to be the Yannick Sinner era, crowds booing him, whatever it is, he just he takes it so personally and knows how to mentally change the way that he thinks so that he can produce even better performances. This is one of the greatest tennis seasons of all time, and it's not even one of his best seasons, which is just bizarre to think about. The guy somehow is just getting better as he ages. He's 36 years old. He's never hit his forehand harder. He's also never hit his serve better. Um, Frankie, I don't know. I was talking to Pete the other day in the car. Djokovic, I think, is the best server in the world right now, and that includes someone like a Nick Kyrgios. I think that he is serving that well. Um, I don't know if I would go that far, but uh, I think this is by far, and we've spoken about this even before this tournament, this is by far the best that Novak has ever served, Um, and he has really brought his game to sort of like this new evolution that I think it's like a different, it's a different Novak in a way. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's different, right? It's definitely distinct. And, you know, what I admire about him is that in the same way that, you know, Federer certainly changed his game to be, you know, as good as he was at 36, 37 years old. Um, Novak has effectively done the exact same thing. The only difference being that Novak's body has held up substantially better than Federer's has. And Novak also, in fairness to him, has cared about his body way more than Federer has. The thing that stood out to me yesterday, and you mentioned it just now, um, is that Novak is hitting his forehand better than I have ever seen him hit it. Like, it went from being something that's sort of like the forgotten part of his game, so to say, because, you know, obviously with Novak, we think of him as having the sort of best backhand of all time, you know, whatever you know, your thoughts are there. But uh, Novak's also got one of the greatest forehands of all time, too. I mean, we've seen it over and over again this year. And more so, uh, you know, this tournament, we really saw him just become this sort of serve plus one player you know, whenever he could possibly do so, just because of the amount of energy that he saves by doing that. And it allows him to peak at the right time in the tournament, which he just did masterfully this tournament. It was incredible. Yeah, and what and what also, in addition to that, Frankie, what impresses me most is his, his scheduling, not only just his scheduling in terms of when he can peak and what tournaments he plays, also how he's able to take months at a time off and then come back and still win without any sort of match reps uh, in, in real life outside of just practicing. But I mean, after the US Open, he didn't play until I believe it was he played Davis Cup really quickly, which is also wild. He's playing Davis Cup next week. So that I'm actually interested in Davis Cup this year because he's playing and Jan is too. So that'll be really cool if they meet in the final. Um, but, uh, you know, he plays Davis Cup, takes two months off, comes back to a Masters tournament and then wins it and then he wins the world tour finals after having kind of a rough week and everyone thought okay this is you know the young guys tournament and all that and he just he just knows how to pull himself mentally he just knows how to dig so deep and figure out how to win at this level it's simply incredible to watch we've never seen anything like it we haven't seen anything like it from rafa we've never seen anything like this from Federer. this is simply just some of the best stuff of all time that we're seeing now let's talk a little bit about 
I want to talk a little bit about Yannick here, Frankie, because obviously you're a big Yannick guy. Um, I think he still had a, besides the fact that he laid a semi egg, although part of that could have been because Djokovic played insane. He had a fantastic tournament. And I think he, he grew a lot during this tournament going four, was it four and one going four and one um, in his hometown of Torino, you know, beating Novak, that meant something in that group stage, um, taking care of Runa and then, you know, beating Medvedev. He's shown that he belongs in the top five echelon of players. What was your takeaway in terms of kind of growth that you saw throughout the week? Even even losing to Novak, I thought that he learned a lot there um, and that there's a lot to take away from from that match. Yeah, so I disagree. I don't think he laid an egg in the final. I, I do not think Jan lost that final. I think Novak just won it. You know, I want to give Novak credit. Novak literally, as I mentioned, played the statistically best match you could possibly play all year in that final, including having like, I think the highest serve like ever rated by um, tennis insights in that match, which is bonkers to think about. But yeah, I'm not going to blame Jan for that. What I will say that Jan did this tournament more than anything was really show that his serve is one of the best in the world. And actually over the course of this tournament, it was the best in the tournament, including you know, not getting broken by a guy like Daniil Medvedev, and we know how good he is at this. So for me, Jan has set himself up to, you know, have a massive 2024 if he's going to put that work in and continue down the path that he's currently on. I think that the win against Novak in the group stage was obviously phenomenal for him. It also really just like, gives him this sort of confidence that like, hey, I can hang with this guy. Like I can beat him. Like there's, you know, he bleeds, so to say, is like the saying. So I think Jan has done a tremendous job over the past few weeks, few months here of really getting to a level that I personally wasn't sure if he was going to get to. I was a little bit worried there for a while, as I've said on this podcast, but he's really stepped it up. And I got to give him a lot of credit for that. And that includes, you know, to me, overcoming a matchup that was at one point a huge problem for him in Daniil Medvedev, who he has now beaten three straight times, you know, so huge wins for him there. I think, you know, I texted to you, um, you know, that if Sinner would have won that match, this would have been one of the greatest tournament runs of all time easily uh for me um i also texted to you like when sinner beat novak i said this probably means that he will have to face him in the final which statistically over and over again that would mean that novak is going to win because when you play each other twice in this sort of format usually the guy that loses wins the second time this also happened when novak won a you know uh, it's more than a few years ago now against federer Federer beat him in the group stage. They get to the final and Novak absolutely, you know, decimates him in the final. Right. So that, you know, the final wasn't entirely surprising to me, but also Novak played out of his mind. Right. So so full credit to him. My question to you, Marcus, is, you know, and we'll talk about it more in our like preview of 2024, but like, I think that Jan is at a really interesting sort of inflection point here where we could like see him do like a 2011 sort of Novak year 
next year. And I know that's an extremely bold prediction, but like that's this is sort of the recipe that we saw from Novak all those years ago, too, where we just saw him sort of like catch fire at the end of the year. And he just like looked like he figured it out. And it looks like Giannis figured it out. I don't know. Am I being crazy? You're being crazy comparing it to Novak's 2011 um, because that was one of the greatest tennis seasons that we've ever seen. I don't think Jan is going to have one of the greatest tennis seasons that we've ever seen uh, because clearly, am I quite honestly, I think Novak is favored for every Grand Slam next year, including the Olympics, if we were to speak about that right now. But we're going to save another episode for that. Uh, I do think Jan is on his way to making a grand slam final next year. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as to say that he'll win one, but I do think that he will re- uh, reach at least one final. And I think that if he doesn't reach a final, I would actually call that season a disappointment because that, I think the expectations starting to get higher and higher of him. Um, but we are seeing a turn in terms of he's starting to figure things out. Technically he figured he's starting to figure things out physically. He gained seven pounds of muscle. Uh, well, like we have been begging this guy to do. And he's starting to figure things out mentally as well. I think the W versus Novak is tremendous. And it can only give him so much more confidence moving forward. I think Carlos kind of had those moments early on, a little bit earlier in his career. And now Jan's starting to get those. And I think that's what's going to make the difference. Um, So I do forecast a big 2024 from him. I see him making a Grand Slam final. I don't know where exactly. I haven't thought about that yet. But... Um, we're, we're definitely going to see some, some rise from Jan, even, even more so than we just saw at this tournament. Yeah, I agree with, uh, most of that. I actually think that it's a disappointment if he doesn't win a grand slam next year, to be honest with you. Um, I think that Jan has sort of set himself up for one of these tournaments. Uh, he will not have to play uh carlos or novak until the final because one of them will flip the seating and it'll be one three and two four or you know whatever you know spits out sometimes as you know and when that happens jan should make the final and that'll be his chance to win it so for me uh i just think that jan has a big expectation for himself has to have a big expectation for himself next year. I think the faster the court, the better he's going to play. So I would anticipate he has a really good Wimbledon. That's where he's reached his first grand slam semifinal would not surprise me if, you know, that ends up being the case. If, uh, you know, Australia or the U S open are particularly hot and dry. I think you could really see him do well again, be just because his serve is so good. And, you know, I, I I just think that Jan, he's going to have a lot of expectations. And and this is part of the, the gig. So, um, you know, I want to see him hold this top four ranking, if not expand on it and really push for number one. He should be pushing at a lot of these Masters 1000s events. I'm sure he's going to want to win, uh, you know, Rome next year and, and bring something home for Italy. So we'll see. Uh, the Olympics obviously changes a little bit of the scheduling next year in terms of how players think about it, uh, especially Novak, who's very clearly going for that gold medal more than anything next year, in my opinion, just because that's the only thing he's missing at this point. But, you know, we'll see. 
you know, and to your credit, Marcus, you've been sort of ringing the bell for a long time that the thing that Jan needed more than anything was the physicality. You know, his physicality looks night and day better than what it was at this time last year. Uh, you know, particularly on balls where, you know, he's being pushed uh, horizontally on the court, like being pushed side to side. I'm now seeing him have the leg strength to be able to like hit an open stance backhand, hit an open stance forehand and not put himself in such a defensive position and then be able to attack right on offense after that shot and just take that little bit of time away from somebody. But uh, Marcus, the thing that I wanted to get your take on uh, somebody who did not make the semifinals, uh, despite playing pretty well, is Alexander Zverev, who went two and one, unfortunately missed out due to you know how they rank these things. But uh, Marcus, tell me about Zverev, because he's somebody that really stood out to me. Yeah, Zverev actually had a really good tournament that is not going to be viewed that way because he didn't make the semifinals, but he ended up going 2-1. and one. Everybody in that group took care of Rublev. Um, his win versus Alcaraz was significant. Uh, I think he's just got a little bit of a mental blockade against Medvedev right now, but I'm sure that he could figure it out. But if we just kind of holistically look at his year, he started back up um, at the end of last year to play again, and this year has gone from... I mean, he was losing matches one-on-one to Carlos uh, during the clay season, kind of ranked outside the top 20, and has finished the year, you know, top eight, which is phenomenal for him. Um, I have belief that he still can potentially win a slam one day. Um, I I expect big things from him next year with a full offseason, full training. His ankle is healed up. Um, He looks really fit at the moment. So big things from Serif. He played really, really well. Uh, he's definitely going to be our comeback player of the year, as we talked about last episode. So I envision kind of, you know, big things from him next year as well. Um, it's going to be a tightly crowded field. Frankie, I think we need to talk during this episode about Carlos Alcaraz and his, he ended up being number one in the group, but got kind of demolished by Car- uh, by Novak. I don't think any of us really expected that. And obviously Novak played out of his mind, but he looked a little mentally and physically tapped out to me. I think we kind of talked about this during the Paris Masters as well. Um, what do you envision for him kind of moving forward in terms of, you know, scheduling? Um, do some changes need to be made on his team in terms of kind of the big matches and the cramping? I feel like there's he's also kind of at a weird inflection point where he's achieved a lot, but also I think there's a lot more left on the table for him. And he, I mean, Novak has showed that, like, you got to go through him if you want to win. And yeah, he's Carlos not stopping shown, anytime soon. And, and Carlos has shown he can, but Novak's like, I'm still here. Unless you beat me on the regular on the reg, then you know it's not going to happen. So that's what I want to kind of get your thoughts on, Frankie. Yeah, it. You know, I think about this a lot. Like I, I'm almost positive that it was Pete. It might have been Win, who said it as a as a guest on the show when they said like, Jan has a higher ceiling of the two because everything just looks so much easier for him, like in terms of how he's able to generate power and win matches and win points, whatever it may be. And Carlos just has to work a lot harder, even though he's a lot better seemingly right now. And I kind of think that that might be true. And we're seeing that really come to a head right now because Carlos has to work so much harder. You're seeing him like, you've seen him struggle the past like two, three months. And obviously 
he really turned it on for the last two matches of the group stage and sort of blew, you know, Medvedev off the court and and blew, uh, you know, Rublev off the court. But uh, you just saw him run out of gas gas against Novak, and you know it it it. I don't know what exactly needs to change. I don't want to say it's something on his team because I think Juan Carlos Ferrero is, you know, a top five coach in the world easily. Uh, but definitely somebody maybe on the back end, somebody to help him with sort of the mental side, somebody to help him with the physical side, maybe additionally, like just get another voice in there uh, just because it seems like he needs a little bit of help. And I think that his team needs to talk with him about, you know, learning to maybe like what 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 if I was Juan Carlos Ferrero what I would be working on with Carlos this offseason is how can we make you winning points easier how can we make this just a little bit quicker a little bit easier and how do I teach you to sort of step step off the gas at points and I know that's a really tough thing to do and I know that they Carlos uh, Juan Carlos Ferrer has openly spoken about that they're trying to work with him on the like step off the gas pedal, but that's so clearly what he needs. And this season is a perfect example of as to why. Um, listen, I think Carlos will be competitive at all of the Grand Slams. Uh, you know, not just uh, you know the Wimbledon and 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 the U.S. Open, which he's won already. I think he'll be extremely competitive on clay. I think he'll be extremely competitive in Australia with some rest now between, you know, now and, and, and January. But I think that Carlos has a lot more competition now. I think that we've seen Jan reach a high level and Jan has a winning record career-wise against him at four and three. Uh, Novak has now beaten Carlos two times that they faced each other. The past two times that they faced each other, I believe. Um, so Cincinnati yeah, he's got a, and then, he's got a three three and two record against him now. Yeah, so that's a little bit concerning. And listen, we just mentioned him. Don't count out Alexander Zverev on a clay court against Carlos. Is all I'm going to tell you there. If Alexander Zverev's serve is on. We saw, you know, two years ago pre the injury that Zverev made quick work of Carlos at Roland Garros. So do not count him out there. It's really tight at the top. Like that top five is really, really good. And all of them can sort of beat one another. So it's going to be interesting. It like for me, what I'm watching for for next year. And again, we'll speak about this more in the preview, but. What I'm watching for is at what point do we see any sort of physical faltering from Novak? Because it's going to happen, right? Like, father time is undefeated. It, it will happen. I just don't know when. So curious to see how Novak's body is able to hold up in what is effectively a five-slam season next year. Um, curious to see how Carlos's body holds up in an effective five-slam season next year. So it's going to be a great, like 2024 should be an epic year for tennis. So I'm, I'm a hundred percent, you know, really looking forward to it. Uh, Marcus, the last person that I really wanted to talk about here is Daniil Medvedev, who obviously reaches the semifinals, loses a pretty good match to Yannick center. 
uh, as we mentioned, loses to him for the third straight time after really owning that matchup for quite a while. Uh, what are your sort of thoughts on him? Like, how does he play into all of this? Is he going to be a factor next year at any of these majors? Or is his window sort of like shut now? Because these two young guys have really just risen pretty pretty meteorically. Um, you know, I was actually just thinking about that too, about where he kind of fits into all this because it's kind of a crowded top three right now. But Daniil, I'm never going to count Daniil out because I think he does have the ability to either flat out beat someone or also kind of make them play bad. Um, and if he gets a pretty good draw and he can make someone play poorly, like he made Carlos play poorly at the U.S. Open, where it was kind of like just a master class of consistency. And a couple of years ago, the way he did it to Novak, I know that was a little bit of a different situation with the whole um uh, year calendar slam thing it's, it's um, the same idea though daniel if you are not playing well daniel will will beat you daniel will yeah. make you beat yourself rather right exactly um so that's kind of where i see him fit in here i really only see him contending at two tournaments uh that that's going to be the australian open for me and the us open i don't see obviously clay i mean i know he won rome last year but he's not winning roland garros that's just not happening uh and i don't see him as much of a threat as a jan or a carlos or a novak i think he's kind of second tier there on grass um i think he can fit in first tier on hard courts so i think a draw needs to kind of go his way um but uh you know again there's a lot of competition at the top and i think that for the first time in a while, Frankie, you know, it was kind of interesting to see over the last year or two where it was Novak still dominating, Carlos kind of supplanting himself as like the number one or number two, and then like three through six, we're still trying to, everybody was trying to figure it out. Like Jan would make a semis, Daniil would make a final, you know, Casper Ruud was making finals, you know, they were each kind of finding their own. Now we're starting to see things solidify a little bit more at the top, kind of like we did with the big four era, um, you know, about 10, 12 years ago. So I, I don't foresee anybody else. I don't like, I don't see a Casper Ruud making a final next year or Holger Runa. Uh, I think that it's getting really, really competitive at the top. And I think it starts with Novak and I think Daniil, Jan, Carlos are kind of, those are like the top four to watch in the mix. If we hit a clay court, we can have a different discussion at Roland Garros or at the Olympics. Um, Cause that'll be a very interesting tournament, but I think he just kind of, he's, second tierish for me now maybe first tier on a hard court that's that's my take yeah i actually think you made a great point uh that i was just thinking of as well i think the era that we just saw you know call it the beginning of covid um through i don't even know how to define the end of it but the 2023 wimbledon like those tournaments for me are very reminiscent of like the 2004 season through the Australian Open 2007 where it was like one guy was so clearly better than everybody else in this case it's Novak in the case I just said it was Roger Federer but it was a transition time where you saw younger talents like Rafa and Novak at the time very clearly on the come up and now we've sort of reached, I think, that second point, and to your point, I think you're exactly right, where we're going to see a new sort of era begin here. Um, I think it's going to, I think that the, 
obviously Carlos winning the 2022 U.S. Open and reaching number one in the world is incredible, but I don't think he was fully solidified as he is right now. Um, and I think the 2024 season is going to be the Jan, the Carlos, the Novak era you know, late career Novak sort of era. And obviously that's a full compliment to Novak that he's going to be a part of two eras now. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I fully agree with that sort of diagnosis. I think that you're spot on with that. Yeah. And then, you know, again, there's so many other players below that tier, like a Sverev, who we've seen play really well and can play well at slams. Like Aruna, who if, can, if he can figure out his physical issues, I think can also do some damage and pe- make people uncomfortable like we've seen him beat Novak a couple of times. Um, Sitsipas is done. Uh, you say that, but I, I, I'm i going to hold my breath on Sitsipas. Wow. I'm not going to be surprised if the guy wins the Olympic gold. All I'm going to say. We've oh. seen random results at the Olympics. Do not be surprised if somehow that guy wins it on clay. Just Dude, saying. If- if he wins the Olympics, like I'm just gonna trash Paris. That... Do you did you think that Alexander Zverev was gonna win in Tokyo in 2021? No. Right. I But I, I also think Zverev's better than Sitsipas. I mean, I think there was a lot I think Novak Djokovic is better than Alexander Zverev, but he didn't win it. <laughs> so my point is that, like, the Olympics, I think, are so much more of a crapshoot than we realize. So I'm not going to write him off next year, is all I'm going to say. Especially since we're going from... Uh, sorry, we're going from we're going from Roland Garros to Wimbledon back to Roland Garros. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm counting out Steph, though. I think he's done, mentally. Him and him and Sitsido Polabodosa can just go to the Greek island and enjoy the rest of their lives. I, I honestly, I, we're the ones bad. that are doing something wrong in that situation. Okay, I don't. I'm not dissing him for that. Respect. We need to figure that out. I mean, Frankie, you're Greek. We got to make some connections. Yeah, there we go. Well, I saw him this summer. I saw his boat. I recognized it. I was like, that I know is him. So, oh, shame we couldn't get him on. I'm sure he would have enjoyed. Um. <laughs> anyway, Marcus, I think we're going to wrap this puppy up here. Uh, we've got some exciting stuff coming up. We're going to do our year-end awards, which I think is always our favorite or second favorite sort of episode to do every year. We're going to do our preview of 2024 soon enough. Uh, we've got some series or you know some non-scheduled stuff that we want to uh, do with you guys, and, and obviously we'll have some guests going on. And we got one more scheduled one. Uh, normally, we don't talk about it too much, but because Novak Djokovic and Yannick Sinner are playing on it, uh, playing in it, we will be talking Davis Cup next week. I think that that could be a very interesting tournament, Frankie. I'm surprised both of them are playing. Oh yeah, sure. Are we going to talk about World Team Tennis next, or, or you know, whatever? I. I... I will talk about it, but I still think that Davis Cup sucks as it is. Like, it's just the Absolutely format is terrible. The scheduling is terrible. Like, fix the problem. But whatever. No, needs we'll to save be that fixed, for another time. But they're playing. Uh, yeah, they are playing. You're right. They are playing. So, fair enough. We will talk about it. Um, yes. Anyway, that's going to do it for us. Oh, and last thing. Sorry. Episode 100. We'll be doing, like, our our life update, all that stuff, uh, because we're rapidly approaching episode 100 very soon. 
So that's going to do it for us. Uh, we will catch you guys next time. And thanks for listening. See ya. See you guys.